Combo Nation. Shall we intro on a quick pod? I say we shall. Today's show, NBA Draft Guru, Sam Vecini of The Athletic, joins in a great conversation with Sam. Can't wait for you all to hear it. Quick note, we did go over five minutes, but it's still a quick pod nonetheless. Don't forget to share this episode, share with a friend, share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, share it on your IG stories, and don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combos Court. Of course, punch down on that subscribe button, would greatly appreciate it. Let's get into it. Sam Vecini of The Athletic, welcome back to Combos Court for this quick pod. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. It is a beautiful day in Australia. It's like the first one that's fantastic, man. Great to hear. Great to hear. Sam, Chet and Paulo are on the top of everybody's boards. Um, how would you compare these two players? Who's the better player right now? And who do you believe has the better upside? Yeah, very different players for sure. Paulo is more of a six foot ten, two hundred and fifty pound, like power forward who can beat you in the post on the block and also has really developed his skills away from the basket. Uh, he can handle the ball. He can get into step backs. He can do a lot of different stuff like that. Uh, defensively, there are some questions though, just due to his lack of athleticism uh, comparatively to other elite prospects. Uh, in the case of Chet, Chet is seven foot one with really, really long arms. He's one of the best rim protecting prospects. Uh, in high school basketball, in you know youth competition around the globe. Uh, absolutely terrific on that end. He moves his feet really well. He can shoot away from the rim uh, on offense. Just a really terrific player. Uh, the question with Chet is just physically, he is very skinny. He is like, I think listed at 200 pounds at seven foot one right now uh, for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. So the question that NBA teams have is just how will that frame fill out uh definitely a pair of really really interesting prospects though that uh everyone should be really excited to see they're going to be used so well this year in both of the uh places that they ended up most definitely shifting to memphis realistic expectations for the memphis tigers and what do you think nba decision makers will be looking for when they're watching amani bates yeah you know amani obviously has two years until he's eligible for the NBA draft. He's not eligible for the yep. 2022. He will be a 2023 guy. Uh, will he do a second year at Memphis? Will he decide to go pro? I think it'll depend on this year, right? I think that NBA teams will be looking to see how he plays within a team construct. We got a chance to see a little bit of that this year uh, when he played for team final, along with guys like Jalen Duren, his now teammate at Memphis and yep. Derek Lively, who just committed to Duke, uh, who is considered a top five uh, prospect in the 2022 recruiting class. So uh, it's good for him that he's going to actually play with real talent because uh, a lot of his time with Bates fundamentals on the AAU circuit with Ipsy prep, uh, I don't want to say those kids weren't necessarily talented, but they weren't necessarily NBA level prospects in the same right. way that Amani is. So getting a chance to see Amani Bates play with guys like Jalen Duran, even someone like Lester Quinones, who can really shoot the ball right. and space the floor. I think that that's the stuff that's going to be really, really interesting for uh, Imani this year. And he's going to have every opportunity to prove 
to evaluators that he's every bit of the elite prospect that people thought he was uh, two years ago when he burst onto the scene as a freshman in high school. Sam, I think Amani is a small forward, but what position do you think he'll be playing this year? Yeah, you know, I've heard some rumors that they're going to play him a point uh, a decent amount, if only because that's their biggest positional need. I would like to see him more as like an off-ball scorer because I think that that's where his best value will come. But at the end of the day, he's also going to be someone who probably is on the ball quite a bit wherever he ends up. So getting right. a chance to operate and pick and rolls with really good teammates and figure out, uh, you know, this read goes here when the help defenders on the back line go here, I can hit the cross corner kick out there, right? Like these are just things yeah. that he hasn't necessarily gotten an opportunity to do. So Memphis might honestly be the best fit just because he'll get a chance, hopefully to play both on the ball and off the ball and develop a lot of the skills that I think he really needs to continue to work on. Most definitely. Those reps will not hurt him. Shifting to the NIL, what has the impact been and has it surprised you? Hasn't surprised me at all. I'll say okay. that. Uh, I think the impact has certainly been getting kids into college and convincing them that it's a genuine pathway still for people to be excited about. Uh, you look at someone like Jalen Duran and someone like Imani Bates. I mean, I would imagine that they're going to have pretty substantial NIL deals. You look at Hunter Dickinson, who very clearly said in his decision to return to Michigan that NIL played a role in his decision to return. Uh, you know, guys like Drew Timmy, who, you know, Gonzaga figures to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. By the time March rolls around, those guys are going to be absolutely in phenomenal shape to make a ton of money from NIL. Like, so I think that people have kind of misconstrued the idea that, oh, you know, we haven't had a ton of reporting on NIL for basketball players yet because yeah. um, and said that like, oh, that's not necessarily, it's not trickling down to basketball players yet. In March, I think it's going to be laughable how much money these guys make because they're genuinely the biggest story in American sports over the course of the month of March. And that is when uh, all sorts of endorsements, I think are going to come in for the teams that make the NCAA tournament. Most definitely, Sam. Last topic. What is the greatest movie ever made? Oh, God. Oh, my God. The greatest movie. So there's a difference. Like, are you talking my favorite or are you talking about the best? Because, like, I think that realistically, Godfather 2 is probably the best movie ever made. Um, just the way that they weave back and forth between uh, Robert De Niro's storyline and Al Pacino's storyline, and they mirror the two. And then uh, everything that happens with Fredo, I think it's an incredible accomplishment of filmmaking. And it's one of my favorite movies. But I mean, my favorite movie ever is Almost Famous, which is like a corny <laughs> response, but I don't care. I love that movie. Uh, I have so much fun watching it every time I watch it. Uh, it's a blast. It's emotional. It's funny, like in all the right spots. Yeah, it's great. Great choice. Sam, you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time on this quick pod and talk soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon, man. Looking forward to it. Most definitely.